Hey, welcome to Talking Direction. Peace and love, everyone. Welcome back to Talking Direction, the Drum Leaks podcast discussing the art and skill of directing, those directing a new future for our artists and audiences, and the ideas that will create a more imaginative, diverse, and equitable field for all. I am Nylon, the Associate Artistic Director of the Drama League, and I'm your host today. Now, we are several weeks into Broadway's return from the COVID-19 pandemic, and with its return brings fresh new stories and new artists making their Broadway debuts. In a wake of its return, Black storytellers have gotten the opportunity to bring some color to the Great White Way, giving the chance for audiences to see the complexities of Black thoughts, life, and performance through a myriad of narratives. And one of the artists shaping the landscape and writing his name in history is director Steve H. Bronix III. Steve most recently opened on Broadway a bold and daring production of Thoughts of a Colored Man by Kenan Scott II. You may also know him from his hit production of Katori Hall's Hot Wing King at Signature Theater. His work has been seen nationally on stages like National Black Theater, Victory Garden, Cleveland Playhouse, Syracuse Stage, Classical Theater of Harlem, to name a few. He's an ensemble studio theater member and serves as the resident director at People's Light Theater. He's a professor of theater at Pennsylvania State University and the co-head of the MFA directing program. And now with great pleasure, please welcome Steve H. Bronix III to Talking Direction. How are you, Steve? Nyland, I am great. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy you're here. I uh, most recently got to see Thoughts of a Color Man and come okay. on, brother. Oh, <laughs> I said, you better serve this dish warm and hot. <laughs> so yes, good. yes. I'm very proud of the production. Very proud of the production. And you should be. And, and let's let's begin our conversation there. I mean, I, I think the production is bold. It's electric. And, and, and to your entire team on and off the stage making it happen, you know, bravo. And that cast, oh my God, you have made an ensemble. Just yeah. bravo all around um now now this is your first journey into commercial theater and, and you were joined uh this broadway season by a bevy of first-time directors um in that commercial uh sphere and, and what has this process been for you um have you felt a connection with those other directors or teams of storytellers um it has been a great um experience for me um uh, it, it, it's still i'm trying to still grasp it that it's really happening and it's happened <laughs> you know what i mean i, mm -hmm. I still I mean, many times having dreams to to work at this level on broadway i, I think you could have told me i would have gotten to pluto faster than directing a show on broadway but here mm. i am you know i i you know in my discourse you know coming to new york i'm originally from little rock arkansas and you know coming from new york i mean from little rock to new york city again this has been a dream of mine that seemed so far and and like reaching the moon and here I am that is actually happening so I'm so blessed and grateful um and the other writers I am just yes I have been able like chicken and biscuits that team I was able to go to the like their invited dress and just just say congratulations and really try to reach out to the teams and say um we're here and um well I really want to support like Lackawanna 
Blues, you know, Ruben Santiago mm -hmm. is my mentor. So, you know, he, he reached out to me immediately when I got the gig and the show was announced to go to Broadway. Um, you know, I, and, but, um, you know, unfortunately, though, Lackawanna, Chicken and Biscuits, I went and saw Passover, but I haven't been able to talk to the team other than the director. Um, her and I were in a part of the league, of course, SDC, the league uh -huh, and uh -huh. SDC. And so we were able to connect and support each other. So all good vibes have been out. And then I know Dominique from Skeleton Crew when it comes. I had the opportunity in COVID to work with Lynn Nottage on briefly on a film thing that we did for Act Out on Broadway when we were in the election. So all these, I've had my touch to all of the plays in the, the at least the playwright or director within the seven Black plays that are currently going to be in Broadway this season. I love that. I love that it feels uh, community driven. I don't. I don't know. I. Th I think uh, from an audience perspective, all these plays pop. They. You know, they're coming in and out and yeah. opening at different times. And you always yeah. wonder if these artists get to be in some type of community, some type of conversation with each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm hoping, you know, when in at the end of the season, I hope that, you know, someone takes that uh, as a as a, a thing that they would put forth is it'll be great to get us all in a conversation. You know, Hello. Uh -huh. what happened this season, we're all on some panel, all of us in representation to discuss the historical moment that has occurred. Okay. I see you knocking at our door. Maybe. Yes, yes, yes Dromalee. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look into that. We'll look into that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, um, what, I, I mean, from from looking at your body of work so far, I, I, uh, it, it, ranging from Dave Harris's Everybody Black, um, which is a play that I want more people to know. Yes. <laughs> um, Dominique Mariso's Skeleton Crew and Pipeline, August Wilson's Jitney, and now yes. Keenan Scott II's Thoughts of the Color Man. I mean, you've had an ample opportunity to shape uh, construct, criticize, and examine Black performance. And, and, and I wonder what are your goals when presenting Black bodies on stage? And as a director, like, what are you questioning and presenting to audiences about Black life? Mm, I want diversity. I want truth. I want humanity. I want, you know, all of us in our full spectrum. Because I think I use the um, um, Crayola system. Like when you go get a hundred, you know, your, the big box of crayons, I want the entire spectrum of who we are and our Black experience in Black life um, to, to humanize us in our full, beyond often the limited view of us that we see in media and other forms of storytelling. It's getting better. I think of, um, you know, TV now and series now that are out. That gives. I'm interesting. I watched the um, the in, in Insecure last night, and I was like, Issa Rae is doing it. You know what I, I mean? I watched it too. Um, <laughs> right. Lena Waithe was at our show the other night, and I was able to talk with her. So she's doing it. Uh, Tyler Perry, whatever you may think. I, I, I mean, that man has has produced history, and then we standing on some of the leeway he has made too. So in mm -hmm. film and cinema, it's happening. But also look at the Lynn Nottage, the Katori Halls, the Dave Harris's, and you know what I mean? The Donye Loves, the the um, Robert O'Hara's, I think are really, uh, the Ruben Santiago Hudson's, just to continue to widen the spectrum of Black life and Black culture beyond um, the limited you know, media and that we see today. That is my hope, to humanize us and all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Because sometimes we, it can be so iconic and more statuesque you know, I what the love with 
what uh, Katori did with Mountaintop. You know, and in the Dr. Martin Luther King, this is beyond Black History Month or a statue that we see in D.C., that she added more humanity and nuance, because I think if we can see our humanity, we know we have the possibility of greatness as well, or we can learn from our flaws. And it just allows us to be human and messy and heroic and great and outstanding, all of that. So that's what my hope is. I, I, I brought this up and one, one, I mean, I'm, I'm standing on your answer with a big old sign. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. It's, it's, we, we, there's a, uh, there's so much conversations going on, especially, especially looking at 2020 in the way we were like, we need to be presented differently yes. when, we, when we call people out left and right. Yes. And, I'm, and I'm glad we spoke up, but I do think it also set us on this course of, of, um, uh, um, um, a monoculture, a, a, a micro conversation of self. Yeah, we got yeah. so wrapped up with the terminology of black joy mm-hmm. and, and no trauma, this and that, that we became, um, uh, I'm going to say, just one dimensional when there we you talk go. about black lives and black performances. And I love yes. that you just say, can we be messy? Can yes. we be our full spectrum? Can we be human? And I think it's really important because we won't understand black joy if we can't put it against black conflict, black trauma. Right. Correct. You you can't you can't see both of them. And we can't and we don't live in those states a hundred percent, right? There's I don't walk around, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> guessing and over I'm, I'm tired sometimes. <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> um and, and I really appreciate Appreciate you saying that, and I think that's what I got um, a lot from the piece um, when I watched um, Thoughts of the Colored Man. What I mm-hmm. what I greatly appreciated was that this um, spectrum of the Black male experience in America wasn't um, my God. It wasn't singular. Yeah, um, there was like, and it was, and I got to see it across um, age perspectives, which I think is more. I, it's an intersection I think we lack a lot. I mm-hmm. watch a lot of plays of young people all talking together, or a lot of plays of all um, older bodies talking together. Where and where we we lack this discourse of how we can speak intergenerationally to each other. And I yes. think that's just when I when I think it's super present in a black home, though. But I think exactly. we see it though. You're right. In our storytelling, you're right. We, it, that intersection of age, we don't mm-hmm. see. And generations, we don't see. But if you go to the Black home, you got my grandmama, my aunt, mm-hmm. my little cousins, my little brother, me, my friends. We are. That intersection happens. But you're right, Curran. In our storytelling, you don't see it much. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I like like uh, artists listening, hint, hint. Right. <laughs> um, but I definitely think it's, it's, it's deeply needed. Uh, for over a century, the Drama League has been serving artists and audiences in the American theater with fierce dedication. As the landscape has evolved, we are too to meet our community in this important moment. Our programs, ranging from internationally renowned directing intensive workshops to fellowships and residencies to a globally recognized award celebration, are constantly adapting to meet the needs of creators and consumers of art and culture. Stay up to date by following us on all social media platforms and visiting dramaleague.org. Uh, something also that I saw when I was like, uh, you know, Googling you, looking you up. Yes, yes. It's <laughs> um, something I don't see often across like people's resumes, um, but it was written all over your resume is um, world premiere. And oh, you got yeah. the chance to breathe first life into many projects. Yes. And having numerous world premieres under your belt, I, I wonder what your process is of preparing a new work and, and, and what does that feel like or what responsibility do you think you have to a project? 
Oh, that's a great question that I love to talk about. So um, I'm primarily, I've, that's what I do is do new mm -hmm. works and I love new works. And um, Katori Hall and working with the Hot Wing King, she coined me and I give her credit for this. She says that I am the doula of new plays. She was like, <laughs> she's like, that's what you do. You like the doula of new plays. I was like, yes, I accept that. And because I believe that my job as a director is a service job. So even as I teach and, and, and teach directly, I teach it as service. It's a service job. A lot of people get in the, into directing or study the craft of directing thinking it's a dictatorship or uh, that kind of power position to tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's, it's the foundation of a collaboration that I believe and that we are in service to the work in service of delivering the baby which is called the play and I believe plays uh, tell you what they are about um, not vice versa just like babies and children I can want my child to be a dentist all day long but that's not maybe <laughs> what they want to be so I have to take my clues from the thing the play the 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 story in which we tell but the parent the playwright I'm there to guide I'm there to help nurture I I'm there to support along with the teams of people that I have that help us in the, uh, you know, the production team dramaturgically, if we have that on board, even our stage management. I just am a big person of collaboration and where the playwright is the, in the play is the thing that mm -hmm. we are all in service of making it clear specific, allowing it to be at its full potential of what it wants to be and nurturing that thing called the play. So that's how I approach all my work. Mm, I want to lift up. You said you're, the role of the director as a service job. Yes. I, I, uh, I resonate a lot with that. I mean, here at the drama league where we, we, we centralize helping the directors. I mean, we get a prefla of artists who, who are, I think are, at that point in their career when they come to us that they they're testing they're saying i think this is what i do mm -hmm. and and but i see a lot of them uh right now begin to wrestle with that word director and people call mm -hmm. themselves a creator or mm -hmm. an instigator or like mm -hmm. trying to figure out but i think a lot of it is in root of what does this role do and i, mm -hmm. I want to lift up the idea of service yes Mm -hmm. Yes, it's service to the story. I truly believe that. And when I discovered it, you know, for myself, as I got in it and had mentors guide me and I studied, you know, directing myself, and it's always in service to the play. You are the director is the foundation of the collaboration. So I am the one that it hopefully sets the atmosphere, sets the room, sets the space for a joyful, eased, filled collaboration. It's my model. I like to work with joy and ease. You know, we, we're here to create and it's for a bigger purpose to help tell story, which I believe story, you know, you don't know who you are until you see your own reflection. Ken mm, is my mm. form of ministry. It's our forms that can be a effective to thousands and hundreds of people to, to get people to see their reflection or see the possibility or see the pitfalls of humanity and that we can all be better as one race, human race, you know what I mean? But with the specificity of culture, with the specificity of class, with the specificity of gender, you know, all these things in that rule taken from an African tradition that is the, 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 the rue of it all to, to tell stories. So I, I do believe it is a service job to, to in service of a ministry of humanity. That's what I mm. believe I do. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're already shifting a little bit there, but yeah. let's uh let's look at your work as an educator too. Um, so you're the co-head of the directing program, correct? Program at Penn State. Um, and I have m- multiple questions. One, I want to know, like, how has teaching informed your work? That's I, a great and question. I, and I say that because I think, I think t- having the responsibility to teach something helps us. Uh, it makes you actually say what you believe, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you just you have to say it. And you're like, oh, I guess I do. Uh, yeah. I And it challenges what you believe, too. I believe Mm -hmm. teaching also, the flip side of that is learning. As a teacher, I learn from my students. You know, when I go in with these brilliant young minds and people with different points of view or different, you know, philosophies or to even challenge what I come to the table with, it helps sharpen and open my discourse. And I learn just as well. I probably teach, but I learned just as equally from my students, you know, and from people that I've come into workshop with or at Penn State over the years. What I've been in higher education, believe this or not, over uh, 20 years, I've been in higher education. Mm -hmm. And in that it has informed me as a director, as an artist, greatly. And and I give credit to the people that I've come in contact with over the years in that, that shared space where both teaching and learning on both entities, the student and, and the professor, happen. So it, it shapes me greatly and it challenges um, every day because, you know, the students come in and they, as, as, as form change, as society change, you know, I find myself a lot of times, even, you know, as they introduce new ideas, students, you know what I mean, it, it widens my discourse and I go, yes, okay, this is, and I never want to get stagnant in that way. It things, because that which doesn't grow is dead. So I want to continue to sharpen my skill, continue to be challenged to widen my discourse. So education is an important part of me as an artist. Being a creative professional means we're always learning. And with the pandemic coming to an end, there's never been a better time for us to up our game. The Essentials is the Drama League's acclaimed series of online and in-person workshops that feature cutting-edge techniques to help you be ready for the changing realities of the arts in America. Hosted by award-winning thought leaders and experts, The Essentials offers one-of-a-kind sessions in text analysis, camera techniques, auditioning, and much more. You can participate directly in the hands-on workshops or simply observe via Zoom. Classes are filling up for 2021. So, learn more and sign up by visiting dramaleague.org slash essentials. That's dramaleague.org slash essentials. I wonder if you're having this conversation, because I, I think building the room is a hot topic right now mm-hmm. for, for working artists. And, and I think it, uh, a concern of practice for many joining the field of like how to do it now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm talking from safety to uh, ethical treatment of you and your collaborators Correct. in various intersections to... Yeah. You know, if I'm allowed to work on this piece, like, I think that question has been coming up way more than it ever has. Absolutely. Um, and, and and I think the I would say the history of, of theater making. I agree. And, and I think all of this is gray. And it's gray because, my God, we know nothing is black and white. If God, if it was, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have these issues, right? It'd be so clear as day. Absolutely. Um, but, and, and it ebbs and flows as a pendulum of sorts. Um, and I, I wonder how, how you're preparing your students around the topic and uh, mm-hmm. maybe how you're embracing um, these ideas and this work in your own practice. 
Yes, I, I have a model that I take to the classroom and I take into my um, professional work as well, that I believe in people before plays. So I care about the people working on the play before the, the play itself, the human beings that I'm working with. So I love a collaborative spirit and listening to the groom, listening to the groups of people that I have in collaboration with. That is very important to me. Um, and that's how I build the room, by hearing what the room needs. You know, it's like, I think of, I don't know why I'm thinking of this right now. I think of Pipeline by Dominique Mariso and, and the, mm -hmm. the, the guy in the end, and he writes these 10 things. His mom said, write the list of what you need. A parent asks the child, what do you need? And so I create my space like that with artists. So I, I, I believe in people before plays. I teach that. I believe in a collaborative room where people should feel safe to have voice, feel safe to bring bring really where they are because I studied the, study all this art and acting and things that I've studied and I came to the conclusion we are asking us to behave truthfully but yet we get in rooms and start off with a lie you know what I mean people go how are you doing or I may not be in a good space of the real world is happening to me but through the institution I get into a room and put on a mask and 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 lie and then I have to build story on top of a lie which I don't think works so I try to start off with the people and the artists that I'm involved with to get in this space that we all can be truthful from where we are and then build art on top of that and I find that when you are concerned about the people, the well-being, the voice of the people, then that opens up a way of vulnerability and trust that they then can behave truthfully in imaginary circumstances. They can behave truthfully, but if people feel that they don't, are not heard, are not seen, or can't voice their opinions, don't have a space that is safe, I find then you start yourself building up on a lie. And I, mm. I, over the years, I found that that doesn't work. <laughs> that doesn't make the most effective art. The most impactful art is when people can build upon truth. I'm just going to pull that up just to make sure people heard that. I, I, there's a difference between building on a lie and building on truth. Yes. And I think, I think <laughs> as artists, I've been in several rooms. I know we have built on a lie or, yes. or, 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 or just an empty bed because we're yeah. not going to call out the truth. Yes. And I, and I, and I think it's really lack of better words, yes, important, but I also think it's just easier. It's, it's yes. something that you were saying that it just felt natural. Um, and yes, we're, we're, we have this big contract about authenticity, but I think we need to say it was just, it was just human. Like yes. We don't deny the things that are here with us right now. Yes. One, we can use them and move past them. And, it, and no one feels uh, uh, like there's a sore in a room, right? You know, yeah. that, that, so I, I just, I just think that's a great idea. A, a lovely yes. thought to be sharing with people. Yes, yes. I, I often I've I've been visited the continent of Africa. I've been, had the pleasure over what, eight nine times for like consecutively years, eight years, eight nine years. Um, and I am taken back by Nelson Mandela's philosophy of truth and reconciliation, and that you know, are we always here in order to get over or or get beyond? We have to go through. We have to deal with what is truth and then reconciliation. But here in the United States, we often want to reconcile. But don't nobody want to talk about the truth. You know what I mean? I'm like, let, what's really happening in this space with us right now? And I find that it were I it I've been effective every time. And now now institutions freak out because they see my process. Now I may spend um, 45 minutes um, a day, not all the time, but I, I spend time. The time it takes 
for us to get an opportunity to give people voice in the room and start off in truth. Give everybody the opportunity to speak in voice in truth. Now, sometimes people don't, you know, will pass and go, no, I, you know, I choose not to, but the opportunity, you know, is always there. But then I find that there's a trust that builds. So then when I start to introduce story, we are all starting in a very honest, present truthful place versus again we come into a room shake hands mask on social mask on and we build on a lie that mm -hmm. it, yeah that, that that then the work the 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 depth of the work i think lackens in that way and i've been super blessed that every room that i go into i think we've built some very powerful impactful storytelling because my motto is people before plays i've had actresses tell me i, I was working with a play in seattle and she was like, it was an older actor. She was like, Steve, in tears. She's like, I never. And she had a, a child that um, was disabled. She was a single mother. Mm -hmm. And she was dealing with life, right? And so I was like, listen, sis, you, let's, you know, and she shared. And I was like, no, we want to send energy to you. I believe in building, standing on ancestry, calling all of that in the space. I often say decenter whiteness in my space. That's what I'm doing. Right. Not to void or devalue whiteness. We're just decentering it. <laughs> there, there, there are different forms in the way to approach process. So and then this actress was like, I never in all the years I've worked had I ever had a director concerned and be so caring about me as a person, you know what I mean? Because I can't ask uh, someone's working in those type of things in life that, is, and that may need to take care of their livelihood and then to come in my space and be focused and be concentrated on these imaginary circumstances. It doesn't work. So I believe in people before plays. And then I find that people are generous. They're open. They want to share. They want to bring their full authentic self to the material as we investigate with text. I, I, I've just found it very successful. Mm -hmm. Can I pry a little bit with the, yes. you said some things that I, I one, uh, 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 institutions concerned. Cause I think, I think a lot of directors are are trying to, and one, practice the decentralizing whiteness, yes. but really practice new uh, processes. Yes. Um, and because we, oh God, <laughs> I love our industry, but we mimic each other exactly. uh, to a fault. Yeah. Where when we say this is how it's done, right? And that our tradition says, right? Exactly. Which, which uh, <laughs> my black gay self in this country has found that to be a trigger. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, you like, and me yeah. too. Yeah, we, we <laughs> share the same. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I went to a university, I taught at, back in the day, I taught at a HBCU, um, UAPB, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and their model was tradition breeds excellence. And I had a problem mm. with that from once. I say no, tradition breeds complacency, not Ooh. excellence. Oh, say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, complacency, not excellence. And when we challenge the way that we're working, and that's what's happening now, but institutions freak out because when I, like, I'm a director that likes to spend time at the table. I'm a director that will sit around in discussion with the artist in the room from stage management can be involved, assistant stage management, the COVID policy person, all of it can sit, and whoever's in the room with us, ha I have an open room that we can have discussions from different 
different points of view and you don't know how much we learn. And institutions may freak out like, okay, you are spending a lot of time at this table or you spent the whole day discussing each other and where you are now and what's happening in the present. Are we going to get this play? I said, no, this is the work. See, they confuse it. I said, this is the work. <laughs> you know, the, the, we gonna, Trust me, I had a mentor told me, you get it right in the room or at the table when you get on your feet, it's golden. Then it then it takes flight. But so I don't move into the thing in the room allows us to move as a whole and as a unit and as an ensemble. And when we get on board that way, then I find that when we get into the work and staging and 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 storytelling, it's with ease. And we 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 have built such a strong foundation. But again, the institutions, I know I've had stage management go like, oh, um, okay. And I I'll say, trust me, trust me. <laughs> and then they'll go every time, Steve, you were right. Steve, I've never seen a process like this. I, I hear that every time I go in the room. Oh my God, I've never seen a process like this. How caring it is, how safe it is, how what how you as a collaborator took an idea from anybody in the room. So there was an investment. It's like stock, right? You're going to have stock. If you have, you don't care about stock, so I'm not invested in. <laughs> but if you have an investment in it, you, <laughs> you have care. You know what I mean? You too have a part in it. So there's care. There's, there's dedication to it. So, and then when we get to it, I find we work with ease, with depth, with impact, with passion. And again, um, and as a true ensemble. So that's that's what I've I've been doing. I, I love it. I absolutely love it, and it's making me a little curious about how you're um, building your teams. Because I, I I I I think mm, consciously or or subconsciously, we we uh, we're looking for you know a certain amount of tribe, right? Mm -hmm. Looking to work in a certain fashion or or um, be inspired from people who work in a certain fashion. So I'm. I'm with the type of work you're doing that I, I, I just want to say, I do lift up. I think you've got to understand what we did at the table. Get on your feet is easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my God. Mm -hmm. You can always mm -hmm. tell when I'm like, you don't get anything. And we're now moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just exactly. bumping into things, right? Words, right. tables, you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Um, but I, but I wonder how you, what do you look for um, in collaborators? What, what are you looking for when you are um, um, casting or, or finding designers to collaborate with? Like, what do you normally like to, uh, um, uh, assess out. Um, I like when collaborations to look for curiosity, people who are willing to ask questions, people who are willing to decenter whiteness, break from how we normally do things, people who are flexible and, 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 and again, who are true collaborators. People say that they are, and you get in a room and the folks be like, uh, no, you know what I mean? Like, no, let's, let's, and that anybody can within your lane, I'm director versus a lighting designer, scenic designer, media designer, but you don't understand how some ideas have come from my media designer. I mean, literally some ideas have become from the assistant um, stage manager that they're in a room with us every day who are sitting and watching this go on every day and listening, then have a point of view that I go, oh my God, I never saw or thought about that. So people who are egoless and we're all here for the baby. That's what we have to understand, you know, who are collaborators and have a sense of curiosity and flexibility and know that we are all in service of the play, mm. period. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, going back to uh, uh, 
which I'm, I'm just sure I'm going to get some of the directors around me wondering, like, you better have asked this question. I just wonder, uh, do you have any advice for directors who may be uh, considering going to grad school and uh, maybe even attending your program? Um, I think I would say hmm, that's a good question. The reality of it is I believe that you need craft. Um, one of my other um, mentors uh, is Susan Shulman. And those who don't know her, she's the first woman to be able to be nominated for a Tony Award for direction. And it was Secret Garden. And so she is violent. She's done things all over the country. She's outstanding. Um, and one thing that she Im imparted in me, along with Ruben Santiago, Neil Pepe, even though he had passed away before I knew him, but I studied the works of Lloyd Richards. I'm thinking of the people. Craft is important. You have to know craft. And I would tell people, seek out. My dream is to become a master storyteller. That's what I want. I want to be a master storyteller, and that takes craft. So understanding um, structure, understanding um, staging techniques, understanding elements of story, craft. You need craft because, of course, God is going to come down, and sometimes it's just spirit and angel that hit me, and the ideas is there, but it is supported by craft. And so that's why school can be important. But I also want to say that institutions aren't the only place you can get craft. You mm -hmm. understand? You can get mm -hmm. craft by assisting other people. I did it a lot. That's how Ruben became my mentor. That's how Neil Pape became one of my network mentors because I assisted them. It could be by reading. It could be by taking workshops. It can be by one of the processes of a director. I would say see as much as you can. I travel this world seeing plays all the time from Australia to Africa to, you know what I mean, New York to the mid mess regions. I've been everywhere and I see theater everywhere I go. It's one of my favorite things to do, but it is lesson to me. I'm learning craft by the more and more I see, the more and more I read, take seminars online. I say, get craft. So the institution, I would sometimes if you decide I want to go to kind of one-stop shop at a university where these classes are offered, but that's not the only place to do it. You can do it in, in, in different variant ways, but I do think it's important to get craft, to learn craft. Mm. Mm. I completely agree with you. Enjoying today's episode? We hope you'll join the community of artists and arts lovers behind it by becoming a member of the Drama League. For over 100 years, the Drama League has been supporting the entertainment industry and the incredible artists at the center of it. When you become a member, you'll receive unparalleled access to the entire theater scene, members-only events, insider news, and ticket discounts. And your membership directly makes it possible for the next generation of artists to learn, grow, and succeed. And they've never needed your help more than now. So to join us, please visit dramaleague.org membership. That's dramaleague.org membership. And from all of us, thanks for joining. And definitely want to lift up the, I think it's just, I'm just going to say it. I think it's very important you being a black body. We've talked about getting out of this country and seeing work yes. outside of our borders. Yes. Um, outside of your neighborhoods, outside of yes. your neighborhoods. I think yes. it's extremely important. Yes. It helps you better articulate what is happening yes. at home. Yes. And what you can bring to that home community to better serve them. Because I yes. think there's, it's, there's something about uh, trying to eat from the same bowl. That's and, right. Uh, so everybody else is continuing to eat the idea. You can't 
can't pour into that, but you don't know what to pour into that bowl until you taste something else and realize, oh, that flavor could help. Um, well said, man. Well said. Yeah, I just, I just, I just want to really, I just heard it and went, because uh, I got to study outside and I, I, and worked in Germany and the UK for a long period of time. There you go. And, and, and we need more of, we just need more artists who get those opportunities. I want to also just really encourage black bodies, bodies of color, queer bodies, get out of this country. Go see the other stuff. It is uh-huh. important and it's easier than we think. And I know I sound real privileged because you're like being in London and yeah. Africa. I was going every year. I, I've, I've got an opportunity to go out of the country before COVID hit, but it sounds real privileged, but it's easier than we think. Because I agree, before, it is. It's easier than we think. Figure it out as much as you can. There's assistance, there's opportunity. Just try to make it a, a, a goal, like you said, to see somewhere outside of our own sphere it's very mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. um we're, we're we're uh getting close to the end but th- there's a couple more questions i have okay um i this is a question we're asking like everybody who's joining the podcast okay and i'm always curious at the answer i would like to know who are the artists on your bucket list that you would love to work with one day Oh. Maybe maybe we're like signaling the stars. Maybe we're gonna make a beautiful <laughs> um, connection here. But I definitely just wonder, like, you you're at this point in your career. Who are you still like gunning for um, to be in a room with to create with? Listen, I am I am. Oh my gosh, Danye, Me and him haven't been able to collaborate yet. I love uh-huh. Danye. And again, uh-huh. as a as a black queer man myself, with a, working with another black queer man, I just I'm excited about that. Erica Dickerson, we've been talking about some projects her and I want to work in. I love, love, love Robert O'Hara. Um, it's like a huge fan of his. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I just think his mind is brilliant, and I love everything he does and who he is. I would love to rock with Robert O'Hara. Era. Um, I'm thinking just a few. I mean, I'm, a lot of my mentors, like, I, I, I mean, again, always want to continue to work with Dominique Mariso, Katori Hall. Um, I love uh, Lee Colston. You know, we did um, his play, play First Deep Breath in, in um, um, Chicago. I would love to work with him again. Mm-hmm. Lynn Nottage, her and I did like a film thing during COVID, but I, and she came and saw Signature Hotman King. She's like, yeah, we, we're going to work together. I was like, it would be a dream to work <laughs> with you. You know what I mean? I I'm I'm probably I hope I'm not speaking too soon, but I'll say uh, I have a project coming up that I'm working with Susan Mori Parks, which that is exciting. You know, you know what I mean? To work with her, she's awesome. To get a chance to work That's with a her, beast of a pen right there. Come on, you know man. you know what I mean? I am super excited. But those the, to name a few, um, I have things on the the cusp, but like I haven't worked with Danye, I haven't worked with Erica yet. Um, that I would love to mark. Marcus Garley is great. Haven't worked with him. Um, yeah, those are the name a, a few that I would that I'm, I'm hoping to to work with as we continue to uh, my career continues to move forward. Okay, well, you know, hopefully we're doing our little magic here. Yes, <laughs> yes. Spinning out into the world, it's in the universe now. That's right. Declare, I believe. Declare, it, declare. own it. Come on yes, now, that it will be. Happen. Yes, it's done. It's done. Yes. <laughs> um, I I also wonder. Uh, one, what is your advice that you would give to your younger self? Ooh. That was a good one. I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> first thing I would say 
is, I don't know, this seems very simple. I grew up um, from the South, young, black, queer man, um, little boy that and that was raised by my grandmother only. Um, she's 93 now and coming to see um, Thoughts of a Color Man this weekend uh, from Arkansas. But oh. yeah, I'm super, super excited because just to her to see the fruits of what she dedicated her life to and go like this little boy, queer boy who wanted to do dance and drama and, and dance for Janet Jackson and Beyonce. Oh. You know, <laughs> Janet, Janet. <laughs> yes for Janet. Yes for Janet. <laughs> yes. I, listen, that, you know, it her her, her efforts and sacrifice paid off, you know, and it wasn't in vain. But I would tell my younger self, it's important to it, I, I sound like a song from the Wiz, believe in yourself. It's so mm. important and that you are enough. You are enough. Your uniqueness, I would tell myself, your quirkiness, your queerness, the way you think, because I would always put myself down. Now I battle with that as an adult. Just, you know, now still the sense of, of value that I have in my voice and my way of thinking and who I am as a man. So that's what I would tell myself. You, you, you have to start men to believe in what you have to bring to the table and know that you have a place at the table. And, you know, for a long time through therapy, and I've been in therapy over 20 years, that I, I've come to this, this, this thing and an understanding of that I, I am enough, I am, I'm a value, and I belong at the table. Um, that's what I would want my mm-hmm. younger self to, because I think when you have those, you can conquer anything. And I'm a very spiritual person as well. And my belief in um, um, the a higher power, you can call it what you want. I call it God and falling in alignment with my assignment in life. And I heard Oprah say that when your, when your assignment and, and or your purpose and your dreams come together, that is just magic. And I'm finding it to be true as I continue to go in my life. I'm starting to be in path with what my assignment is and my purpose is as a storyteller, as a, as a leader, especially as a Black queer man, which I never thought was possible. I was that little boy thought, you know, because of that, I would, you know, didn't have value. But now I see that very thing that I have is my superpower. And I'm at the table. So that's what I would tell my younger self. Um, to to believe in and in, in what you have and that you are valued and have a place at the table. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, that's a gift. Okay, thank you for that gift. Oh, oh. I mean, I, 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 that, that's all. I don't have no more. I'm just gonna say, look, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. And look, oh, I'm gonna say you. to everybody listening, if you haven't seen Thoughts of a Color Man, it's now playing on Broadway at the Golden Theater. Get your tickets now, or make sure to link to it. Uh, Steve, it's been a pleasure. I am. Oh, I, it's my pleasure as well. Thank you so much for asking me. And you're awesome, man. Let me oh, just tell I, you this: it's coming. We're, I was like, you don't know, but he, I'm on your list. You don't know it yet. <laughs> Yes, like, already. You don't know yeah, yet, though. Yeah, yeah. No, we let's continue to work. Our work has already began today. Come on. Absolutely. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, everybody, until next time, peace and love, everybody, and we're out. Thanks for listening to Talking Direction. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing while you're here. Also, let us know what you think. You can follow us on all social media platforms with the handle at Drama League. Talking Direction is a program of the Drama League of New York. America's only nonprofit home for directors and the audiences they inspire, offering essential services and resources to artists in their time of need. 
please join us in this effort by visiting dramaleague.org and click donate. Or better yet, be a part by becoming a member. Thanks for listening. 